0: Obviously, today was uh, a very tough day for those who work within Bell Media Circles. More than 4,800 jobs gone. 45 radio stations now up for sale. TV had adjustments. This is a major shakeup from one of the big three. And uh, it has drawn the criticism from many. Let's get it from the premier himself, the fine premier of British Columbia, David Eby, on these layoffs.
1: I uh, find it reprehensible. I think it's appalling. And Bell and other companies like Bell that have done this need to be held accountable uh, for the information atmosphere that we find ourselves in today. On behalf of all British Columbians that have watched their local news stations slowly turned to garbage by these companies, I I just want to say shame on you. I call on the federal government to stop this assembly of media properties that are not actually properties to the local communities they serve they are an indispensable source of information.
0: Now I'm going to open up the phone, Steve, in just a few minutes' time at 604-280-9898 to give you your say. But uh, listen, I'm not going to come onto this show and bash another corporation for uh, gutting its commitments to communities across this country. I won't do it. But the fact is, if business isn't working, it's just not working. But it can work. It has worked, and it can work again. Here's what I see. What's the old saying? Don't bring you your problems, bring you your solutions? Again, here's what I see. Today we find out that more than 20 British Columbia radio stations are now up for sale. This is after one of the big three bought it, used it, gutted it, and now they want to sell it. Cool, let them do it. But here's my ask. To the CRTC, the governing body of all of these media properties in this country, if a local company comes to you, and says that they've scratched enough money together to take a run at one of these stations and they've checked the proverbial boxes, let them have it. Give these communities their stations back and let them to be, Let them restore the trust that's been lost. I mean, what other way to say it than that? I've been a part of cuts at a radio station. Come to think of it, I've been a part of those cuts from a few years ago. No harm, no foul, you just move on. It is what it is. But here's why I bring this up. Not to bash but to show these communities what could be a silver lining. Maybe, just maybe, this opens up a door for local ownership to come back to the table and take the reins. I bounced back in this industry, thanks to a year where I actually left Vancouver, because opportunity wasn't exactly knocking on my door, so I went up with two bags to Powell River to good old CHQB 1280 AM where the country music flowed and the owners, the Brown family, knew the value of community radio. I quickly learned why everybody listened for the tide report, why the news mattered, the weather mattered and the connection between the listener and the station mattered. Radio is a business. Absolutely. Trust me. I know. But radio. It's also a friend. And in these communities, the local hockey team gets their airtime. The Rotary Club's upcoming picnic gets airtime. The guy trying to sell his car, well, guess what? He gets his airtime too because the station is meant for them. And when you commit to them, the loyalty that you get in return is as good as it gets. But a local, I'll tell you this, they can sniff out a corporation. The signs might be bigger, the sound a little crisper, but smaller communities, they don't care. They want a story about their neighborhood, about them. And this, to me, is why local ownership matters. I worked for the Vancouver Canadians for 15 years. If you recognize the voice, it's probably from that sports medium. The first two years when I was working with the Seas, the owner was from Oregon. He was rarely in town. When they sold to Jake Kerr and Jeff Mooney, two guys from Vancouver, everything changed because they had their fingers on the pulse of the community, the moves that they made, mattered and it's the same in radio the newspaper the tv you know all those quote-unquote dying mediums that just happen to kind of still be around when it's local you can feel it trust me i was there i know one time if i can just go off on a tangent more than i have already one time i mentioned on air i had forgotten to eat my breakfast because i slept in late and therefore i apologized because chances were i was going to be grumpy get this 10 minutes later car pulls up to the small station by the ferry terminal and out pops a kind lady with a bag from mcdonald's she knew me and i never forgot her generosity listen man today was a really bad day in the media industry here in bc and for that matter across canada but i believe maybe naively that some good can come from this if you look at the big picture some who got let go today, they'll find work elsewhere. Others, well, they might need some time before they reinvent themselves like I did. But all will find a way. We all do. But my hope is in all of this that somewhere right now, there's a group of local business people that are looking at the sudden void in their community and thinking, we can do this. And we can do this well. My hope And this is my only ask, is that the red tape is lowered, that if the community rallies together, an industry on their knees today can somehow rise up once again, but this time held strong by local ownership so that days like today don't happen again. You know, we're just uh, counting down the hours to the Super Bowl, which is the biggest bet on event in the sports calendar. The Super Bowl is always the big dog. And you know what? I actually shortchanged it. I said before we went to the break that it would generate 6 to $7 billion in uh, gambling. In the United States alone, $23 billion. It is a huge event. Talk more about this. Matt Lee, Senior Communications Specialist for BCLC. Matt, good afternoon. Thanks, Rob, for having me. Well, is this kind of batting down the hatches weekend for you guys? Because i got to imagine, in addition to the regular table games and slots and everything that you take on, that there's going to be a lot of people looking to just hang out and you know be a part of the action around your casinos this month.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not just casinos. Of course, you're going to see a lot of sports bars packed uh, as well these days. So uh, it's kind of like the night before Christmas for us, but uh, it's a week-long event. So... Uh, we're super excited for every Super Bowl, but uh, of course, this one probably feeling uh, more special than the last.
0: Is there any indication that you guys get at the lottery corporation that it's going to be an exceptionally big year? Because I've seen a multiple, uh, a couple of different reports from some pretty notable entities that say this could be the biggest sporting day Saturday, the biggest betting day in the history of betting. Does that does that ever come across your desk?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we all have seen the the landscape right now. Uh, online gambling has become pretty mainstream these days. So we certainly see uh, every year become uh, more and more popular. And we already know that the Super Bowl is the most popular sports betting event of the year. So really, it's it's a meeting of both of those worlds. Uh, you know, again, as players start, uh, you know, finding new ways to enjoy and experience their Super Bowl, we, we've definitely seen that sports betting is part of that. So, uh, it makes it's no surprise to us that we're going to see a record-breaking Super Bowl uh, here on PlayNow.com.
0: So I had a conversation actually earlier today with a friend, and he said, you know, there's a third party to this. You've got two heritage brands. You've got Kansas City. you got San Francisco. So that's great for interest. But the third leg of the tripod here happens to be Taylor Swift and bringing in all this new energy, this new demographic that doesn't usually check in on sports this time around, seeing that uh, – Maybe they could even bet on how many Taylor Swift sightings we may see. Do you think that there's something to
2: that? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely and we're we're trying to get in on that fun right now on PlayNow as well. We have seventeen Taylor Swift inspired bets available to wager on at PlayNow.com and get out. I mean, wow. No, I'm I'm not <laughs> kidding. And you, you know, I think among them the most popular is will Travis Kelsey propose to Taylor Swift on the field after the game? Long odds there. It's eleven to one, but Uh, that's getting a lot of attention. How many times will she be shown during the broadcast? I think the over-under set at five and a half. And will she be shown during the national anthem? So those are among our our most popular Taylor Swift bets on playnow.com. And I think going back to our last question, part of why we're seeing so much more extra intrigue around this year's Super Bowl compared to the last.
0: I just find it really extraordinary how powerful one person can be. But again, I'm starting to learn about the magnitude of uh, Taylor Swift or Swifties. Matt Lee is a senior communication specialist joining us here. He's from BCLC. Um, the number, the sticker shock of just $23 billion being exchanged in the US alone. How does, uh, how does the industry handle that kind of money? I mean, there's a lot of you know, money going left or going right based on these bets. How do, how do people handle just that sum, that volume of money?
2: Uh, you mean in terms of from a business perspective or maybe from a player perspective? Well,
0: for example, I think of places that can accept bets, like a bookie place. Like I think of Las Vegas, for example. And I think of all the money that's going to be exchanged. Like, let's say somebody wins a couple million dollars in all that hands. I mean, obviously, they get their cashiers check and what have you. But all this money, I mean, who can cover it?
2: Oh, I, I mean, we're we're a crown corporation that delivers um, gaming on behalf of British Columbians. And, you know, I believe just the last fiscal year, we generated a billion dollars in revenue. So, uh, you know, there's uh, sports betting is maybe not the most profitable part because there's some churn, I think, that goes into that. But, you know, certainly we're going to see bettors make a lot of big bets and a lot of small bets as well. So i, I I mean, we we definitely want our players to enjoy their game and, you know, win, win, but also play responsibly, too.
0: Hey, Matt, I know that it took a long time for sports betting to get its traction here in BC and across Canada, for that matter. When did you realize that it was going to be here for good? Was there a, a kind of a top of the mountain moment where you're like, wow, we've really got traction with this and now we can start to grow it out?
2: Yeah, I think for me, going back to August 2021, that was the day the federal government here in Canada legalized single event sports betting. And it also gave the provinces the ability to uh, carry out sports betting in the way that they have. And what we have seen in other provinces, specifically Ontario, is what they've done is they've licensed other websites to operate in their province. And, you know, that's part of why we see so many advertisements airing here in BC is those Uh, companies that are licensed to operate in Ontario, their advertisements are actually purchased with national broadcasters. And that's why we're seeing some of their advertisements here in BC. And, and, you know, I think that was probably one of those big moments when sports betting really began to take off here in Canada.
0: That was my my very next question. I said, what do you say to those who are just tired of seeing, you know, one to two commercials every break, be it the NHL or hopefully the Super Bowl, where they're seeing just this constant bombardment? It's a national buy, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and like, let me be clear too. We see the same advertisements that British Columbians are seeing, and we actually kind of share in those frustrations because when you seeing when you're seeing you know advertisements with Jamie Fox and what have you uh, showing up on your screen, Wayne Gretzky. These are ultimately websites that are not legally permitted to operate here in British, Columbia and, in British Columbia, and yet we're seeing British Columbians seeing those advertisements. So it actually creates more confusion among British Columbians about which websites they're able to play on and which ones they're not. Oh, that's really interesting.
0: Uh, Matt, before I let you go, I've got to ask you, is she going to get proposed to? Where are you putting your money on this one for Taylor Swift? Is she going to get proposed to or no? <sighs>
2: I'm. I mean, the odds are eleven to one, Rob. So I'm going to call it a long shot. I think Travis Kelsey has uh, a lot of other things he's worrying about, specifically <laughs> winning another Super Bowl. Uh, but you know what? It's all fine. I, I actually think that uh, I, if I would be inclined, I'd say that we're going to see her more than five and a half times during the broadcast. So. That will be interesting. But you know what, Taylor Swift, it's good for the NFL, and it's good to create new fans, and I'm all for it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I I blame the TV networks. I don't blame Taylor Swift at all. And, And final question for you, Matt, who's going to win the big game?
2: Oh, it's hard to ignore the Kansas City Chiefs, Rob. I've been made a fool of this entire NFL playoffs. I did not have the Chiefs getting past the Buffalo Bills and, you know, betting against Mahomes in the Super Bowl just seems foolish at this point. So, team of destiny, unfortunately, and whether you love or hate the Chiefs, they just feel really good to bet on. And that's what we're seeing British Columbians bet on, on too, is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting.
0: Matt, thank you for this. Always so insightful when you come on. Let's do this again soon.
2: I appreciate it, Rob. And before I let you go, I know this is going to be talked about today, but for the love of God, let's save local jur- journalism here in the province.
0: I appreciate you saying that, Matt, and I know a lot of my colleagues do as well. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Rob. 40th edition of the Vancouver Sun Run coming up in just over two months' time. Circle the calendar April 21st, 2024. And uh, I have participated in that run a few times myself. Rob Fayette for Jazz Joe Hall, by the way and uh, i have wheezed my way through well i wheezed through the first one improved in the second one got better in the third one so part of the reason that the sun run is so cool is you're amidst thousands but more than anything you're motivated at every kilometer and when you finish and see your results in the newspaper it is truly a big deal to talk about this and some changes that are coming up to the Vancouver Sun Run the 40th edition the race director tim hopkins kind enough to join me tim good afternoon
1: Hey Rob, how are you? Thanks Hi. for uh, having me on.
0: Oh, no problem. It is a pleasure because this is the time where I start to say to my friends, okay, are you in or are you out? Because you're two months away, registration's still open, but uh, I think you guys are doing pretty good. Where are you guys at?
1: Uh, well, we're just coming up onto our early bird deadline for our uh, our open team division, but uh, we're over uh, 25,000 registrations already. Uh, it's about 10,000 to go to where we were last year at 35,000, but... Uh, Obviously, being the 40th anniversary, uh, we've kind of set our own internal goal of trying to get back to uh, the 40,000 number, and that would put us closer back to where we were in 2019, uh, pre-pandemic, and uh, I think we can get there. it's really been well supported the last couple of years, and uh, the registration numbers currently are showing that
0: congratulations twenty five thousand two months out is a big deal. I know your team's working hard in the background on that. Uh, you've got the two point five k sun run, the mini sun run, you've got the actual ten k you've got the walk uh something for everybody. And my question to you is, when you have that many people in one place, how on earth do you tell them about something like a subtle, uh, I guess, root change is what I'm hearing. Is there a few little alterations to the course this year?
1: Well, it's more not the route that's changed so much. It's more that we've moved our expo, uh, which is normally at BC Place Stadium on the Friday and Saturday. So this year, the 19th and 20th to VCC in the East Building, and that's our package pickup for our individual registrations, our mini sun runners, uh, because there's a small concert going on uh, in the stadium uh, at the same time. So we've. Uh, Got expo now, uh, VCC East, and uh, we're running everything down there. Actual course is, is very similar. We start uh, Burrard in Georgia and run all the way around and finish actually off of uh, Rogers Arena and not right outside of uh, BC Place. We've had to make a few changes because of uh, different changes the city have made to uh, bike lanes and corridors for Stanley Park etc. But uh, we have a great course with lots of uh, oceanfront along uh, English Bay. Uh, We still have 17 bands Uh, from start to finish so you know if you're not out there for the fastest time there's there's lots of things to do along the way
0: you know when I think of something like a route change it's really not a big deal for me I get the map and I just do the best that I can to get from A to B did you have any of your world-class runners come back to you with feedback because you got to remember well I'm sure you remember but a lot of our listeners got to remember this is a really big 10k event for some of the best in the world to come test their medal here did you get any feedback from them
1: uh Obviously, there's different uh, years where elite athletes who have won it have given us their feedback. Some prefer the older course because it used to run through Stanley Park. Uh, some prefer it because there was uh, more hills in, in courses pre-pandemic. The course we have right now is actually a fairly flat, fairly uh, fast course. Uh, It ends with a nice uh, long downhill from uh, Mount Pleasant past Science World into the finish line. Um, But the great thing is that over the last sort of five to ten years, we've really profiled the Canadian athletes. And uh, while it's a small number of athletes that are elite athletes, uh, this year, we actually have World Sanctioning uh, and Athletics Canada Sanctioning, which will enable our Canadian athletes to get points and compete on the international scene, which is very exciting for us for the first, year, first time we've ever had that. Um, but again, as I say, that's, that's 1% of our participants. You know, we, we, we like to make this event about everyone else. And whether it's your personal best or your first time doing 10K or just going out for a walk, this event is for you.
0: So you can register, you can gift a registration if you want, but you said the deadline for the early birds was coming up. Can you walk me through that one more time?
1: Yeah, so uh, vancouversunrun.com, our website, you can register online. Um, We do have an open team division. It is our largest category, whether you can get uh, 10 friends together from uh, your company or a group together of family or just friends, uh, you name it, you can put a team together. And that early deadline is coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, So the rate right now is uh, $54, and that includes your custom-branded shirt with your team name on the back and uh, all the uh, entertainment along the way, lots of goodies from our sponsors, uh, discounts at the different uh, brands along the way um lots of opportunities to have fun uh, so that's tomorrow but you can register right up till event day uh online at bankersunrun.com or even come down to the expo at vcc on april 19th and 20th and register last minute um you know in our bigger years we've had uh, over a thousand people come and register the day before the event <laughs> wow. uh, you know just shows you that people not only uh not worry about training sometimes, but they just like to come out and have some fun.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, those who have uh, done it the 11th hour aren't usually the ones that win the race or finish with their best time. Tim, great. I know you're so, so busy right now, and uh, the fact you made some time for me this afternoon is a big deal. So congratulations on the status, making sure that all those points count for your elite runners. But more than anything, congratulations on getting to 25K and counting. Good luck.
1: Thank you very much, Uh, Go to VancouverSunrun.com and uh, register, and we hope to see you on the start line on April 21st. I'll see you there.
0: Thank you, Tim. Cheers. Well, this uh, research coming out from ICBC says, you know what? These roundabouts are working in our communities, but there's some people out there that say they lack confidence in using those roundabouts. You know, instead of the red light, green light at the intersection, there's just that big circle that you got to wait your turn, and when it's your time, you got to get in there and hustle to get around. Grant Gakatru is a former traffic officer in New Westminster and West Vancouver. He's now a forensic criminal and traffic consultant at ForensicTrafficPro.com. Kind enough to join
3: me. Grant, good afternoon. Rob, thanks for having me And That was a great song.
0: <laughs> I, I was more happy that Talia found it. She caught me off guard by that one. And, and you know what? Some of these numbers catch me off guard as well because a recent ICBC survey reveals that just over half of the drivers feel confident navigating those single-lane roundabouts. 29 feel confident, but the rest, not so much. What do you make of those numbers?
3: That's not the least bit surprising because roundabouts are relatively a new idea here in British Columbia over the last several years. I mean, obviously, in certain places in Europe, they've existed forever. Uh, But uh, they just plunked them into B.C. uh, And uh, without... uh, any uh, education to the motoring public and um, expected them all to understand it uh, without question and obviously um, there is a steep learning curve for people now we've all gone through these roundabouts and for the most part people get it I mean the person in the roundabout has the right of way Um, but uh, I've been stuck behind some people that are completely confused and i think there's a amount of people that are confused in roundabouts but those are the same people that are generally confused putting their socks on in the morning (laughs) i think the vast majority of people get it Uh, but i think there has to be more uh, education on the part of icbc and the government when it comes to um teaching people how to do a roundabout and not just assume everyone knows how to do a roundabout
0: well, one of the things that came up in the report was one of the biggest frustrations when it came to roundabouts was the, quote, lack of signaling when exiting a roundabout, which, uh, you know, I live in Pitt Meadows. We've got a few of those around there. And that is the one thing is I don't know if the guy's coming or going. And, you know what, you just got to take your foot off the gas pedal. But I got to assume that maybe that also falls under the education platform.
3: Well, absolutely. And some people just cannot multitask when they're driving and going under a roundabout. You're trying to figure out if you're in the right lane or not. You're looking at the sign for the exit. You're looking for other cars. And, oh, I have to turn my signal on as well. Uh, Most of us can multitask. I think there's a percentage of drivers out there that can't multitask. And, and, And so you really have to have your head on a swivel in a roundabout. But I think roundabouts are an excellent idea as far as I'm
0: concerned. Well, you're a former traffic officer, so I'm imagining that you've probably seen almost every possible scenario with a car or a truck or what have you. But w- from a law perspective, is there something like, let's say there's a, a cop that's just kind of hanging around, maybe he's in his car going from A to B. Is there something that a driver can do that makes you say, mm, I got to flick my lights on for this one? Is there something that people have to watch out for with etiquette or or something along the lines of the law?
3: When it comes to roundabouts, uh, generally it's, uh, just obeying the signs and the lanes, uh, some roundabouts only have one lane that go through them. Some have two. And the confusion comes with the two lanes because you got to make sure you're in the right lane. You don't want to take the first exit. You want to take the second exit. And that's when, that's when uh, the cluster happens. And uh, I'm not too sure if any of the uh, traffic units in the lower mainland ever do a roundabout blitz. Um, but that's a, a good part of education that I think would be beneficial.
0: Grant Gakatru is a former traffic officer, both in new West and West Vancouver, now a forensic criminal and traffic consultant at forensic traffic com. Joining us here on the jazz Joe hall show. You know, the one thing, Grant, and I'm so glad I've got you here. The one time that I've been perplexed and I think I know my way around a, a roundabout, no pun intended is when you add a pedestrian or a cyclist crossing into the equation, it, does that is that the ace in the deck? Whenever there's a pedestrian there, all, all bets are off, you all gotta stop, or how does that work?
3: Well it depends if there's a marked crosswalk or not. The second there's a marked crosswalk, then this then once the pedestrian is in the marked crosswalk, now they have the right of way and vehicles have to stop. Um I don't see that as a as a massive issue more than it is with people that just approach a roundabout and are confused. They don't know what to do. Um I mean at the end of the day, it's not overly confusing, um, but, but I get it. But pedestrians, if they're in the marked crosswalk they, and, they're, and they're actually in it, they're not standing on the sidewalk, they're actually in the marked crosswalk, they have the right of way you have to stop for
0: them. And final question for you, Grant, and I really do appreciate your time with this. You've seen, like I said, so many different scenarios. Do you find that more accidents happen by those who are just not really sure or by those who are trying to get there a little faster than they should?
3: I think it has more to do with those that are unsure, because those are the drivers that are unpredictable. You can't tell what they're going to do because they don't know what they, they they themselves don't know what they want to do. And they're the ones that do the sudden movements that cause the collisions. Um, But uh, again, it's one of those things where uh, the government stats, uh, the stats will show what the predominant cause of collisions are in roundabouts.
0: Right. Grant, what a great segment. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be driving home this afternoon that all of a sudden just got a little more educated, if you will, on roundabouts. Thanks for spending time with me and helping me with this.
3: Anytime, Rob. Thanks again.
0: My pleasure. Are you obligated to pay private parking ticket fees? Now, there's a story coming up on Global News that was sent in by Wes Schellenberg. He's a man from Abbotsford, and basically, I'll just give you the Coles notes of this. He and his wife visited a Christmas market out in Fort Langley back on December 15th of last year. Parked at a lot monitored by Easy Park. Well, guess what? The pay station in the lot was out of order, so they went to an attendant... Uh, basically told them the story, said it was malfunctioning, it wouldn't accept the credit card, and then when they they went back to their car, they spotted two attendants, told them that they were leaving, they were unable to buy a ticket, and then they noticed that there was a ticket on the windshield. So one of the two attendants said that they would remove the ticket, they'd rip it up, but wouldn't you know it, a month later, they received a violation notice for $145. Here's Wes telling uh, a little bit about his frustrations.
3: I found it really frustrating because uh, it wasn't like I was trying to evade a parking, paying parking. Uh, We hadn't left the lot. We were only here for a few minutes.
0: All right, so let's get to the bottom of this. Traffic lawyer Paul Doroshenko, kind enough to join me. Paul, good afternoon.
4: Yeah, nice to speak with
0: you. Well, you just heard from Wes himself a little bit frustrated because he thought he had done everything. It was a malfunctioning uh, device within a parking lot, and yet he finds himself out 145 bucks. What should he
4: have done? Well, maybe he's not out $145 just yet. I mean, the uh, this is the the parking company claiming that he owes this money, and he can always go back and explain it to the parking company. But think of the the, uh, the what a pain that is, right? Like write a letter to them to explain it all and hope that they accept it. And then if they don't accept it, what are you going to do? Like, what's your remedy? Um, You know, it sounds like he did everything right. Sounds like he did everything correct at the time. And here, you know, he gets this thing in the mail. And of course, the parking companies have access to your address based on your your, uh, license plate number.
0: Well, Paul, Okay, I want to kind of backpedal this for those listening that maybe don't understand this. So what happens before it goes to a collections agency? Obviously, they wait a set amount of time does this company. If they don't hear from you or they don't get the money, they ship it off to the collections agency. But once they ship it off to the collections agency, is this not now a write off for that company?
4: Well, it's not necessarily even something that can go to a collections agency because they don't have that much information. Like, I don't have people calling me saying a collections agency is hounding me for the $145 ticket. Uh, And the reason I think that they probably don't send those to a collections agency, they're just doing it themselves, harassing people to try and collect this money, is because the last thing they want to do is make an allegation against somebody that somehow damages their credit rating. But if they do, if they find somebody who's you know a collection agency that's willing to try and Uh, And come back after it. Yeah. I mean, you can continually to be be harassed for this money uh, in this circumstance where, you know, it's a, a dispute over whether or not you violated their terms and conditions of their of their parking lot parking agreement, if they're applied.
0: (laughs) Well, one of the things that was brought up to me and I I was looking around Pacific Center here and just talking to some people before the show is they said how many people actually read the back of the receipt? Like when you come into the parking lot, for example, you put in your card, you or tap your card, you get this little thing that you either put on your windshield or keep with you until you cash out. Not a lot of people read the other side, which has got some interesting
4: terminology. Well it's after you paid, right? Correct you get this notification (laughs) after you've paid. You've already formed the contract. And then you get this notification, oh, here's the terms of the contract. So, I mean, these things don't go to court, and there's a reason they don't go to court. It's such a small amount of money. But really, it's bound by, like, standard contract law. And, the the you know, the contract has to be reasonable. Um, in some circumstances, you can get away with things that are unreasonable. But this is also notifying you of the terms after the contract. And so you don't necessarily know those terms beforehand. Now, the parking companies might take the position while it's on a sign somewhere. But again, it has to be reasonably applied. And in this case, of course, you know, the fellow went to try and pay. He was trying to fulfill his obligation of of parking there. Uh, And because their machine didn't work or something didn't work, he couldn't pay. So, you know, he goes to leave. How can that be a violation of the contract when you haven't bought the ticket to form the contract, right? Well, Paul, like it's you, different if you stay over your time, right?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Gosh, there's so many questions I have for you. Let me ask you this: You're on the street, the um, where you put the coins in, it doesn't work. But all of a sudden, they say, "Well, we're going to ticket you because you could have paid by phone." What if I didn't have a phone? So the device on the street physically doesn't work, but yet they say, "Well, you could have paid by phone." How do you handle something like that?
4: Well, that's a different issue, right? Because Correct. now you're dealing with a municipal uh, legal scheme. Um, if you're in a private parking lot, it's one thing. If you're parked on the street, you're you're bound by uh, basically city hall. And you've heard the term: you can't fight city hall. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty hard to fight city hall in Vancouver. You used to be able to to dispute a traffic ticket and have a trial in front of a justice of the peace, and it was proof beyond reasonable doubt. And you know the the uh, person who issued the ticket had to show up and testify. And they just did away with that. Got rid of the entire tribunal. And made it so, you know, if you get a traffic ticket, the best you can do is phone in. Somebody from the city berates you about, you know, how terrible you are because you, you, uh, you, you failed to pay the parking ticket. Rather, you failed to pay for your parking ticket, and then that's it. I mean, it, it's sort of the end of it. The issue with the with the damaged meters is the city takes the position that if the meter's not functioning and you don't have a phone, then you simply cannot park there because hmm. you cannot pay. Uh, and they're probably well placed to make that argument. And of course, they just write it into a bylaw and, and you're stuck with it.
0: It's an interesting conversation. Very quickly, uh, Paul. So I get the ticket, the gentleman West gets a ticket. Do you pay it or do you just wait out the phone calls?
4: Uh, I wouldn't wait out the phone calls, and I and I wouldn't pay it. I mean, I you know, historically, one of the things that I've done, and it's been a very few times, but it's over the course of my life, is I've written a check for the cost of the next hour's parking, right? So say you go and you pay to park, and you end up five minutes over uh, the time that you've got, and I come back and I get a ticket. I've written a check to that company and said, this is the, the actual damages or the next hour's parking, um, and it's fair for you to, to get that, and it's, you know, inconvenient for me but I didn't expect to be beyond the time period and they've cashed the check and I know some people have done that written with a letter uh, and the company's written back and said no way Um, but in a case like this really like you contact the company and usually in the form of a letter or an email uh, I like the formality of a letter uh, if it's to save $145 you know might be worth writing a letter to them and saying this is what happened Uh, because they don't want to they don't want to be looked at like they're complete jerks right Uh, And they don't come off very well in this scenario. And if this is, in fact, the way that it played out, um, you know, it will not reflect well on that company.
0: Paul, thank you. And we didn't even get into the world of towing. We'll save that for next time. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate your time (laughs) today. Sounds good. Yeah, nice
4: to speak with you. Thank Thank
0: you. Paul. Joined by show contributor Jerry Mayer Judson one more time. Jerry, thank you.
5: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Oh, my God. If you will.
0: There we go. Great segue. Mm. Let's talk Super Bowl, shall we? And I'm not going to talk about the Chiefs. I'm not going to talk about the 49ers. We'll save that for, you know, a sportsy day. But let's talk about the fact that right now the pop culture has maybe never been more uh, integrated with a game. I mean, you think of Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, Taylor Swift, but you think of Usher, you think of Las Vegas. This year, it seems like the worlds are all colliding.
5: It's it's a spectacle. It's very, very interesting. Statistically speaking, I got these statistics from a place called Bet 99. Three quarters of us, more than three quarters of us, are at least moderately excited for the Super Bowl this year. And I think those numbers are pretty intense. Only, I think, 11% of us. Uh, we're not not excited at all because we want to see it. I, I I know how football works. I have played football. I understand it. I don't really follow the teams and who's who in the zoo. But if plopped in a football situation, I would survive. I would function nice. yeah, so i'm I'm a fan that way. Um, so I don't really care who wins a Super Bowl. I'm also not a Swifty, so I don't really care about that about Taylor Swift being there. But it's cool, and it's cool that it's it's got a bunch of eyes on the spectacle, and everyone's talking about it, and it's something that's fun and not horrible.
0: So the question is, can Usher crack the top ten Super Bowl halftime shows? And he's going up against some pretty stiff competition. U two, Rolling Stones, Rihanna, uh, Lady Gaga. Of course, you got Michael Jackson. You got
5: Janet Jackson, Madonna. That's true. We had uh, essentially the 2001 album performed that other mm-hmm. Super Bowl with Dr. Dre and Snoop <laughs> Dogg and like Mary J. Blige. It was awesome. I think so. I mean, maybe. So the interesting thing is we're all taking bets on the set list. And Usher has worked very hard to craft this set list that we're all betting on. Here's a clip from him.
4: What I did is I, I was very mindful of my past Celebrating my present, which is here in Las Vegas, and thinking about where we're headed in the future. And that was really the the idea. What songs do I feel people know me for? What songs have been a celebration um, of all of the journey of what life and love and emotion has been offered in my music?
5: So this is we think that we're doing maybe eight and a half songs the all the money is it being over Mm. eight and a half songs which that's honestly probably all of the songs that i know by usher (laughs) however um we we think that omg is is the most popular pick for his opener so you can probably imagine it right like oh my gosh there would be lights and stuff and then it would be so that it seems like the choice i don't know if i buy it
0: were those the fireworks, by the way?
5: Please, I hope it was communicated. Yes, there were some pyrotechnics. Uh, There's some lights that I was envisioning. You'll see it on the day. I'm like, I'm, I think I'm clairvoyant. And we think that, yeah, the song is how he's going to close her out. So we know one and we know. Hey, thank you, Talia.
0: Oh, Ben just showing off at this point. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give I should, you. I Yes. Did you whisper that? That was impressive. I did. Thank you. I was like, wow. I love this song. Our our, our speakers got better.
5: Listen, when I was nine years old, I went so hard to this song. I made my mom... Took my mom to HMV and I made her buy me Confessions uh, when I was nine, ten years old because I thought Usher was very cute and I wanted the album book. I didn't really care about the rest of the music. Really? I yeah. learn more about you every second, <laughs> every single day. But anyways, let's talk about okay. what else we're taking I'm bets on. I'm going to give you some
0: crazy bets, so please, some wild bets. It's not just final scores and over unders and stuff like that. Here are some of the crazier ones. Do you think yes or no there will be a forgotten word? In the national anthem?
5: I don't think so, but I do think that that would be interesting. That would be something else to talk about on Monday morning. Plus nine hundred. Uh, plus plus nine hundred
0: for yes. <laughs> minus three thousand for no. Which means you got, in order to make money, you got to put a whole lot of money down on the no. But, you gotta uh, like, you gotta really, you gotta be inside. You gotta slip somebody something for them to forget. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of weird ones. Like for example, uh, will somebody get a concussion? Okay. During this game, which, odds? kind of tongue-in-cheek, I, I don't even want to make one, mm. but Drake in the news, <laughs> for a lot of different Lots reasons Lots of this reasons, week, but, yeah,
5: why this one? I
0: don't know. So, anyways, there's the infamous Drake curse, which means okay. whoever Drake the musician bets on, uh-huh. you just bet against it, because That's he's h- always wrong.
5: That's hilarious. So, so who does, do we know who Drake wants? Is Not he, yet. Or maybe he's, he's pulled back. Maybe we don't want to hear any more <laughs> from Drake
0: this week. I just don't know how a guy can be wrong so often and still walk with the swagger that he has. Sports world. It's amazing to me. Uh, And the last one the Doink Bet. What's the doink uh, bet? It's basically the sound of a football hitting the uprights, which means it's a it's a kicker oh, that bounces one doink. off the goalpost.
5: Oh, sure. I, does that does that happen often? Is this a thing that doesn't... <laughs> I
0: don't know. That's a good question. doink bet. Yes, it's plus 400. So if it happens uh, for every 100 you bet, you get 400 in return. Well. And uh, yeah, it takes you 700 to get 100 if uh, it doesn't happen. I mean, it's this a is, super okay. big rarity, but... Yeah, uh,
5: that's hilarious. Anyways. We have also um, the most popular pick for the color of the Gatorade in the Gatorade. It's got to be orange you're right you're right Actually, it's
0: orange is it orange it i orange. by red because both the teams have red in their colors. Uh, color schematic.
5: oh so it just might be some fruit punch in there that's ah, very interesting it doesn't taste like
0: fruit punch it all tastes the same
5: <laughs> what that's a wild statement you just made to me right now doesn't it it doesn't does it? not taste the same maybe i have the palate of a four-year-old but i think they taste very yeah, i you have totally, like a
0: palate of a michelin star chef if you could tell the difference
5: the sugar between the sugar water <laughs> with the sugar salt water yeah <laughs> i've done this before i've done it with skittles and i'm quite accurate i yeah if i did, could do a blind taste test of
0: Gatorade I would be accurate so if I brought you in six Skittles and put them all under yep. cups and you did one at a time you could yes. tell me the colors I could we're doing this next week
5: absolutely it's gonna be or scintillating radio next time we're together sure I will won't. come in in the morning <laughs> I'm like we're gonna do this
3: oh yes <laughs> it's
5: like uh, weird human tricks or whatever it is yeah like that they had on the that one night show i
0: have to research that as well <laughs> <laughs> clear my browser history afterwards but it'll be great for at least a moment uh yeah show contributor Jeremy mayor jensen <laughs> takes us to the break here